Hey, what's up? My name is Ding Shen. Hi, this is Angie. And welcome, welcome back to the Chew On It podcast, a podcast where we delve into the mental health issues faced by the youth and young adults today, and we basically chew on it. We're a charity based in Singapore promoting happy and healthy living. Now, Angie, let's talk about discrimination. Hmm. Well, I must say that our mind has a negative bias and whatever we're not familiar or comfortable with, uh, then the mind basically kind of makes us uh, feel threatened. And this is how discrimination comes about and sometimes perpetuated. So does it stem from fear? Absolutely. It's all about fear. And do you think discrimination happens in Singapore? Of course, it happens everywhere. I remember when I went to the US, I was shocked that I was being discriminated. Because you were Chinese. Yeah, and maybe I was just a foreigner. So this was uh, going back 40 years. Hmm. Um, I grew up in Malaysia and I was discriminated against blatantly as there are even uh, legislation to um, legalize discrimination. So I guess when I was in Malaysia, I kind of accepted that, yeah, you know, um, if I'm not uh, a certain um, race, then I would be discriminated against. But when I was going to the US to study, I wasn't expecting it, that because uh, at that time, what well, we didn't have as much uh, news about what's going on mm. in the US compared to now. And I was going there with uh, starry eyes thinking that, wow, this is a land of the free <laughs> and there's no discrimination. Everybody's equal. Well, it wasn't the case. It and got a shock. I was shocked and I was deeply hurt because I had a roommate who said to me, why don't you just go home? Uh, because I was different. I didn't drink alcohol. Mm. I didn't smoke and I didn't uh, have joined their parties because I knew I was there to study and I had to make sure that I didn't disappoint my parents who invested so much uh, of their savings for me to get a good education. Yeah, but how do you cope as a 20-year-old, you know, 18-year-old, 20-year-old, living by yourself in the US. How did you cope with that discrimination? So what I knew I had to do was mm. to um, really seek support from the people who whom I'm familiar with, uh, basically people who came from Malaysia and Singapore mm -hmm. and hung out with them because we were all able to give each other moral support. Mm. And we had then the social network yeah. uh, and friendships that we could rely upon. Yeah. That's why when people are discriminated against, they tend to be drawn to to others who are in the same boat. And this can actually give rise to um, resentful retaliation. But did you ever feel the need to sort of like assimilate and give in to, you know, uh, the people uh, living in America, right? Those people who discriminated against you. Did you ever feel like you need to blend in and sort of force yourself in? I felt I blended in quite well because I am pretty flexible with accents. Hmm. I'm able to adopt different accents wherever I go. You're very good, actually. <laughs> so when I was in the US, I was actually speaking with an American accent, but that didn't take away the fact that I wasn't American and I wasn't white. Yeah, because um, of skin colour. Yeah, and my mannerisms were not exactly American because I think when we grow up, we are conditioned a certain way. So hmm. we are basically product of our conditioning yeah. and I don't really blame them for discriminating against me because uh, being in a state like Iowa which is in the middle of nowhere in the US mm. they were not very exposed to people from other countries yeah. so when they saw that I was different 
actually, I think they didn't like the fact that uh, most of us foreign students were doing better in school yeah. than, than they were. I mean, we were very determined to get good grades. Mm. Well, else, so when they party a lot, well, they can't get good grades, right? And especially when we pushed the uh, bell curve. Maybe that's why they felt threatened. Exactly. So what it boils down to is feeling threatened mm. by us students uh, showing up in a class and, you know, they will look around and say, Oh dear, so many foreign students. That means, uh, you know, their chances of getting high grades <laughs> is now uh, threatened, right? Yeah. Because um, because we study harder. Mm-hmm. Yes. How do you, mm, how do you think uh, things have changed over the years? So, for example, now that your son is overseas studying, right, in the UK, did you give him any advice or anything? I didn't give him any advice, come to think of it, because uh, I'm not one of this protective parent that <laughs> tries to shield uh, my kids from things that they will find unpleasant because yeah. I feel that resilience comes from not trying to prevent things from going wrong, but giving them opportunity to learn how to develop the skills and the thick skin mm. to be resilient to be able to yeah. bounce back and to be able to say okay you know if you don't agree with me or you don't like me that's okay uh there are other people who do yeah now let's talk about discrimination in other sectors of our life so for example in the workplace we do in the past we do see you know some companies when they are hiring candidates they list on their job description right chinese only or for example no indians this used to happen in the past i believe that is no longer uh, allowed. Oh, yeah. And in fact, today there was an article about um, a condo putting out a tender specifying the age of uh, security guards having to be between 25 and 55. And this was flagged up mm. and they were taken to task and they have apologized for it. So uh, I think Singapore has progressed, uh, has uh, now disallowed um, outright this kind of discrimination. But of course, it doesn't stop people from uh, still having discriminatory uh, practices because it's actually quite normal for people to not accept someone if they don't have the comfort level. Um, So I think we just need to help people be more exposed and to be educated and with the familiarity, then they will find that there's no need to discriminate. Yeah, because to the victim, right, it can feel like bullying. Absolutely. Apart from, you know, some some job descriptions that we see at workplaces, we also see some pregnant women getting discriminated at the workplace, right? So I saw this on Instagram, by the way. Um, Someone that I was following, uh, an influencer, she, she, she went on maternity leave, right? And her boss, I believe it was Miola, right, called that a holiday, well, I suppose if uh, a male who's never been married before and don't have kids yeah. would think that a woman on maternity leave is on holiday. It's quite ridiculous, you know. Well, it depends because, uh, you know, if uh, someone shows off on Facebook or Instagram, like, you know, looking still so glam because they have <laughs> um, uh, nannies or con what do you call confinement ladies, you know, to look mm. after them, then it seems like as though they're like on a holiday, right? So sometimes we have to be aware or cognizant of the kind of image we project. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but as having um, had two babies, I can tell you it's no holiday. Um, mm. Especially if a mother is breastfeeding, uh, our schedule completely evolves around the baby's uh, schedule. So it's like we have no way of planning. Yeah, we just yeah. have to go with the flow of the baby's wake-up time and sleep time. 
So sometimes we just have to let these uh, comments slide because um, it's just coming from a place of ignorance. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a bit about gender discrimination, okay? Um, there was a survey done recently and it says how more than one in five Singaporeans right, believe that gender discrimination exists in the workplace and that twice as many women as men feel that their employers favour male candidates when hiring. So do you think this issue of gender discrimination, will it ever be able to be resolved, right? even 50 years down the road? I think that times have shifted. I recall that in my time when joining the workforce, there were even fewer women in higher positions. Mm. That has changed a lot. It's up to us women to do the pushback or to also prove ourselves they are, that we are as worthy, yeah. uh, not to expect you know, the men to just uh, give us the opportunity outright although that would be really nice. So we sometimes believe that to be in the same position as a man, we have to be better than the man. Yeah, so do you feel it's because, right, uh, the fact that, you know, women feel that, you know, their employers favour male candidates. Do you feel it's because women already um, have that preconception that, oh, because they're female. So the way they act out in the workplace, they don't try to take as many risks as their male ca- male employers, um, they don't take as many, you know, um, they, they don't take, take up as many opportunities. So this boils down to what are the priorities of the woman? Hmm. If she has uh, plans on uh, having work-life balance and wanting to eventually get married and have kids, uh, then the employer is unlikely to take her too seriously. Because as an employer, why would one want to invest in someone who is not fully committed on the long haul? But then if it's, you know, you have children and all that, why isn't that considered um, committed? Because uh, you might be ending up wanting to work half-time or you may, you know, need to take a lot of time off. But Uh, Angie, you you, you used to be a married woman with children as well. Yes, absolutely. And I was very focused on my career. Yeah. I had my mom to help look after my kids. Uh, I also had a helper. And uh, it was a trade-off that I made. Hmm. That uh, career was really important. Uh, not that my children weren't, but I wasn't one of these women who, who wanted you know, to have everything. Discrimination can sometimes be favourable. For example, certain jobs, uh, I actually feel that I have an advantage because I'm a woman. And um, like in sales, when I used to be involved in sales, generally women tend to be more effective in sales because they're able to get appointments or uh, organise lunch meetings Mm, with uh, the bosses of other organisations more easily than a man. I mean, like, you know, why would a man want to have lunch with another man, right? I mean, Then that's compa- not favourable to the man already, right? Exactly. So, discrimination is not always uh, unfavourable. It can also be favourable. So, when I was a student, yeah. uh, as being a looking Chinese, the Kung Fu movies uh, that people watch in the US mm. uh, caused them to think that every Chinese knows Kung Fu. <laughs> so, they actually don't bully us because they think that yeah, all of yeah. us who look Chinese know Kung Fu. So, you know, don't mess about with uh, students who look Chinese. 
Except that I really knew karate. So, <laughs> and, and that kind of like reinforced their uh, stereotype. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes it can be favorable because they don't mess with me. Mm, mm. So discrimination is not always negative. It can also be positive. But it's positive because of, in that case, fear, right? Yes. Don't look at discrimination as always something and that is negative. Same thing with the, with the sales, you know, as a woman in sales. Because let's say for a man who is a client or a customer they would think that, oh, you know, a woman, you know... Well, if you look at uh, somebody who is tall and uh, good-looking, there's also favourable discrimination towards them. Mm. They tend to get jobs more easily and they also tend to climb up the corporate ladder faster. Mm. So, you know, that's also discrimination um, in favour of people who are generally well-dressed and able to carry themselves well. And if they are taller and good looking so that's how life is and we can't you can't eliminate it basically well some people go for uh, plastic surgery (laughs) (laughs) some people think that looking like a a very whitish high nose um, face right is gonna Uh, win you a lot of brownie points mm. does it I don't know you can actually look plastic you know, I was watching this Vice Asia video recently on YouTube, and it says how in Singapore, right, race affect race affects your ability to rent. Do you think it's true? That happens everywhere. Let's be realistic about it. So let's say if I'm going to rent a room out in my place, hmm. and given that I don't eat red meat, right, I okay. don't eat pork, uh, lamb, beef, and when we don't eat that kind of meat, we can actually find the smell very revolting. So do you feel uncomfortable if, let's say, you were to live with a roommate that eats all those? If the person cooks all this meat, mm. then I would find it very difficult to to handle the smell. Just like when mm. I go to the market, I generally avoid these meat stalls as well mm. because there is something about not being able to take the smell when you don't eat the meat. Yeah. Yeah? So if we're going to share private space, mm. it's important for us to be selecting someone that... Um, shares similar attitudes and ways of keeping the place okay. in shape and also uh, the kind of foods that we cook. Yeah, I remember when I was renting a room, uh, my landlord was super tidy and uh. I had to be very mindful to be also <laughs> as tidy. So that was the tidiest time of my life, right? Uh, so we need to be respectful of each other and um, and that I do not go and mess up his yeah, kitchen. Yeah, of course. Um, so I think living together, whether you're a couple or if you are just sharing an apartment together, there needs to be a lot of uh, consideration. But what about landlords who screen tenants based on race? So for example, they are, when they list their property, right? And then they say no Indians. I think that is... Is that racist? I would say it's better to consider whether that individual would be someone you can live with. And it's not based on race, but rather it would be based on the alignment of how the living patterns are and the food preferences and whether somebody is tidy or not, if you are someone who's tidy. I think these things are more important. I remember when I was in the US, I shared an apartment with... um, an Indian and mm. Malays, and we had a great time because he would cook Indian food and the rest of us would cook uh, different Chinese food. Yeah. Now, remember that even among Chinese, especially 30 years ago, they used to discriminate against each other. Oh, really? 
I remember my uh, own auntie was told not to marry a non-Hokkien. Huh? Yeah. What? Uh, today, it has changed a lot because partly due to the Mandarin policy that you cannot even kind of sense like, oh, you mean uh, you're Hokkien or you are... <laughs> yeah, you cannot tell. Eh? Yeah, so that Speak Mandarin uh, campaign yeah. uh, has actually been very helpful in that sense. And now nobody looks at the other and say, what dialect are you? So even among the Indians, uh, mm. they do discriminate against each other. Uh, Northern Indians, Southern Indians, and even uh, across um, different states, uh, different castes. So discrimination is there. Mm. It's how we need to be sensitive about it. Okay, then is that discrimination fair then? Because if let's say... Like what you were saying earlier, right? It's based on your preferences. If let's say you were to live with another person of another race, for example, Indians, right? Um, some landlords may believe that Indians would cook curry and the smell would stink. And that's why they don't want Indians living in their household. Well, if you... Is that fair? If you can't... If you don't eat curry and you don't like curry, it is going to be challenging for you to live with someone who cooks curry, whatever curry it is, whether it's mm. Indian curry, Malay curry, or uh, Chinese curry. Even um, say, let's say I have a home and I want to rent it out. Yeah. I may not want a male living in my house, right? Because I would feel more comfortable having a female yeah. rent a room. Does that mean I'm discriminating? No. So that's why, at what point does it get, you know, racist or... So don't you know? explicitly state it lah, because it <laughs> might come across as discriminating or being uh, offensive. Mm. So if I were to rent a room out, is it okay if I say female only because I'm female? Mm. How come that's not a, a big deal, right? Yeah. Or if a male advertiser says male only because he doesn't want a female, mm. um, and that seems to be okay? Same thing with marriages. So for example, some, let's say a Chinese man may not want to marry, let's say, a Eurasian girl. Yeah. That's also... Fair because of preferences? Well, it's not so much as fair, but if he feels that there's going to be too much uh, family objections to deal with, yeah. then he may not want to have to have all the... But that family objections, then is it racist on the family's part? Again, right? We come back to if the family is not uh, familiar with a particular culture mm. or a mm. particular type of people, then the natural instinct is to... Uh, be so-called discriminating. Yeah. So exposure therapy is what is needed. <laughs> <laughs> to expose the person to people of different culture helps the person to be comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes uh, discrimination is not just across races. It could also be, you know, whether you come from a, a very wealthy family or a not-so-wealthy family or, a, you know... A, yeah, okay family, because uh, the discrimination is on the basis that, you know, you won't fit into our family. Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. And that has happened as uh, issues in the family as well, because uh, if the norms are different, yeah. then there's adjustment. And there could also be remarks made by certain family members against the person that makes the person feel very hurt and out of place. Mm, mm. So I think we cannot be too black and white about this and just call it... Racist discrimination or, or is bad or whatever. Yeah. yeah I think we just need to be sensitive uh, why certain areas of discomfort exist and how to be sensitive considerate and diplomatic about it so same thing with discrimination right that we talked about earlier do you think racism will ever 
disappear 100 years down the road? No, it has never disappeared after thousands of years. Why would it disappear? <laughs> um, because people's sense of safety uh, is innately in everyone. So again, that threat, that fear. Lah. Yes. So if you go to another country and you have been brainwashed by media or friends or mm. family that, hey, watch out for this kind of people, uh, you will immediately feel tense and alert whenever you see person fitting that profile uh, because yeah. safety is paramount. Mm. But if you have um, the guts, is to go and get to know this person. He's probably you know, a really nice guy or a really nice person. Um, but of course, um, you need to have a, a comfortable sense of yourself to do that. Yeah. Have you heard of the phrase brown face? Of course, but yeah. I'm a yellow face. <laughs> okay, because this happened in an advertisement uh, in 2019 and there was this celebrity, like, there was this local celebrity, um, Dennis Chu, Chinese, right? Yellow skin. So what happened was... Um, he dressed up yeah, to yeah. look like the different faces. And he painted his, his skin colour brown like, to, 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 let's say, match a Malay woman, for example. Personally, I kind of wondered what the overreaction was about because um, in the area of uh, acting, I mean, a lot of people act you know, like a man acting like a woman, a woman acting like a man. So that's not racist. Uh. That's I why, mean, in, you know, and case. then you have uh, now Chinese men dressing, looking like some uh, <laughs> period uh, Ang Mos and that seems okay. Uh. So how come it's okay if they dress and look like Ang Mos but not okay if they dress and look um, like a brown face? I mean, seriously? Mm. <laughs> mm. So in this case, it's fine. Why is it not fine? Because you're sort of like, why can't you get a Malay woman to, to, to play that role? Why are you getting a Chinese guy? Because it was, uh, I think the way the marketing campaign was designed, I don't think it was like, oh, you know, we shouldn't get a person of that race to represent his or her race. I mean, sometimes I think we can take things too far and become overly sensitive. Okay, let's wrap things up, Angie. Um, we, we do this at the end of every show and we poke fun of our episode topic. So what is Donald Trump's favourite nation? Donald Trump. Ugh. <laughs> Am I discriminating against Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> so is that considered discrimination? Well, I do not have a good opinion of the man. <laughs> <laughs> so what is Donald Trump's favourite nation, Angie? I actually don't care to know. <laughs> He's not one of my favourite people. <laughs> <laughs> I find his rhetoric very hurtful to a lot of people so yes I don't he's not one of my favourite people but go ahead with your answer what is Donald Trump's favourite nation Angie? discrimination <laughs> hope you enjoyed today's episode now shh I got a little secret for you huh? next week uh, of course it being our final episode it's gonna be extra special okay uh, it's gonna be an episode like you've never heard before LGBTQ plus and and for the first time ever we've got a special guest joining us now um, he's gonna be telling us more about his story as a gay man struggling with his identity drugs and ending up in prison three times join us next week